uh, before we go on, I just want to check on some sports stats. You know, keep myself sharp here on the sports, and I'll use my computer and just go in here. I'm going to check. Okay. Hey, Dip Nation, it's Dave. This is Too Much Dip, a very special Friday edition of Too Much Dip. KJ's with me. Present in the KJ. building. Long distance. And uh, I guess I guess there's a this is there's no better time than today than to announce that we've actually replaced Dylan with uh, the guy I'm about to introduce. Uh, you might know him from middays on the ticket in Dallas. That's 1310, the Hang Zone. Jake Kemp. Is this an emergency pod? Yes, it is. I've always wanted, is. I've always wanted, I've always wanted to be on an emergency pod. <laughs> I was trying to think of a cooler or like a more original name for it, but I couldn't. So I think we could just go with that. I think it's like a universal thing. Funniest Whose part, baby is that? Not my it baby. It me. It me. Okay, and cool. I apologize. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, emergency pod. I didn't wear my TMD shirt for this. That would have felt like uh, I had a roommate in college that was always – one time I wore a shirt of a band we were going to go see, and he made fun of me. So I, I've never done that again, but I did wear it during my last beard pick uh, posted on Dan's Twitter. So hopefully I moved a couple unis for you. Uh, you did. Last Friday. Like Thank you for so. that, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, that reminded me of the time I went and saw a Monday Night Raw taping in ninth grade at, a, I guess it was Reunion or American Airlines Center, whatever it was. And I bought a Degeneration X shirt that says, if you can't beat it, suck it. And when I bought it, I put it on and wore it to the event. And then I tried to wear it to school the next day, and I got immediately sent home. That's awesome. That is awesome. You have a DX suspension story. <laughs> <laughs> See, at least you were in the ninth grade. I almost got kicked out of a buddy's engagement party the other week for bringing a koozie from his prior wedding to this uh, to this engagement Love party. It. So, uh Love yeah, it. That was frowned upon both by my wife and uh, friends of uh, the new bride. So I had to switch over the updated version pretty quickly. But uh, let's at least set the table for why the hell we're doing this. Because uh, it felt weird all week seeing all this news unravel and being like, oh, shit, I need to talk about this. Oh, shit, I need to talk about this. And on top of that, I was out of town all week where, you know, didn't even get my sports rocks off on Monday. So I guess... What the hell's going on this week, NBA in general, and then we can whittle down to the Mavs real quick. Yeah, so uh, Monday, the uh, story on The Athletic dropped, and uh, we record on Mondays, and I had had a chance to read through it one time right after we did Circling Back in the Morning, and we did too much dip, and like KJ said, KJ wasn't there, so it was me, Brett, and Dylan. I didn't want to get into it because I, like, I, ha- I wanted to get more immersed and see what the see what the Twitterverse was saying. I just hadn't had time, and I didn't think I could speak intelligently on it. And also, Brett and Dylan, I didn't think they would really, ha- you know, they don't they don't really know much about Don Nelson, not to at them or anything, but like they don't know like Donnie Nelson, all that, and who's who. But um, yeah, so I decided not to talk about it. And then uh, this week, as it's uh, rolled on, has gotten progressively more and more interesting and weird and wild. And uh, I just want to know that everything's going to be okay. So Jay, tell me, uh, you know, it, obviously it's all on, it's all on Cuban, what they do next. I mean, this is like his biggest Annie up move, uh, probably since firing Avery. And even, I think most people were on board with firing Avery at that point, just because the, the well felt poisoned after 
06 and after the the 67 win first round knockout i mean i don't, I don't think anybody was like you've got to keep avery um hiring rick maybe was a little bit of a risk but even that i mean he was a well-known commodity uh this is about as like just put your balls out there of a move as cubans had in a really long time save for i don't know i think he lost like six million dollars on uh, 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 some trash coin this week. So he he had a really rough week. Uh, that's the sort of stuff my brother, that's the Cuban news my brother keeps me up to date on. But, I mean, I really don't think that this changes the calculus all that much. Uh, the optics, quote-unquote, are very bad. Uh, he's definitely going to have to get run through the proverbial you know news machine ringer worse than he probably has at any point since he's, been the owners safe for maybe blowing up the title team and the reason i say i don't think it changes the calculus all that much is that i would say i'm still 95 percent sure maybe 99 percent sure luca will sign his supermax right. that he qualified for when he's eligible in august and from there if you assume that was always going to happen it was always going to be a situation where it was going to be a five-year deal where the fifth year was an opt-out and so you'd have his rookie year and then four more years plus an opt-out and by two years into that new deal, so three years from now, it wouldn't matter if Donnie Nelson was the GM, if Rick Carlisle was the coach, or if anybody ever knew, had heard of Herala Bob Bulgaris before. If they weren't good enough three seasons from now, he was going to start making noise anyways. So in a sense, I almost feel like just to be a total homer, I can sell myself on at least the Rick part of it being better because we've started the process of him getting somebody quote unquote that he's a little more on board with in here before he decides to you know bolt or write out the whole the whole second contract the rick narrative i guess has changed so much over the last four or five years really probably since post tyson chandler getting shipped off like a lot of that fell at donnie's knee or you know feet and cuban's feet obviously with the dry powder conversations but then the Dallas sports market has tried to like force themselves to be in love with like every new experiment. We've had the Roddy B, you know, uh, timeline. We've had the Justin Anderson uh, charade, and, and and we've had all of these little like flings with new players who are going to be the other piece for Dirk until you know he rides into the sunset, and nothing changed until Luca. But what we always heard throughout that time is that. Rick can't adapt to a young point guard or to a young person, a younger player managing the ball. And that went out the window very quick in Luca's first year. But part of me still felt like, you know, that Tiger's not going to change its stripes. There must have been something still not super comfortable with completely turning over the reins. Do you feel like over those last three years, like Rick Carlisle, by the end of it, was fully comfortable with being like not fully in charge of his team top to bottom? like he was used to be? Uh, no, probably not fully comfortable with it, but I think, you know, even Rick realized that as much as he might have personally disliked Luca and Luca personally disliked him, that we were not talking about Dennis Smith Jr. We weren't talking about trying to run an offense through Chandler Parsons or, or we're going to call plays for Harrison Barnes at the end of quarters. Like, I think Rick knew this was different. Um, and, and I think Rick deserves some credit for being a guy who – you know, everybody will say they haven't been past the first round in 10 years, but those rosters were trash, mm -hmm. and they were never favored in any of those series. And so to me, I almost view it as, you know, there's somebody that I listened to, I can't recall who, it might have been the Locked On Mavs guys, said that Rick's a great floor raiser. And I think that's true. Like, I think if you have a semi-competent group of NBA players, he can keep you in the mix 
for an eight seed or a seven seed like he did. Um, but ultimately, like, you know, he to get to the next level in the NBA, you have to know how to coach a young superstar or two. And really, he's never done that. Yeah. I mean, I guess you'd have to go back to, like, the Detroit days and look at those rosters. But, I mean, that was not – we talk about the 2011 team all the time as being, you know, vets who – who understood the, the league and they were so desperate because they'd been in the league and hadn't won. So I think Rick was ultimately pretty comfortable with the idea that Luca was running the offense and running the offense the way he wanted to, but probably not super comfortable with the idea of this kid is, is yelling at me when we call timeouts <laughs> when he thinks we shouldn't. He's yelling at me when I take him out of games when he thinks that I shouldn't. Uh, he's, you know, as we know now know from Tim McMahon's reporting, and I'd heard this story a few weeks ago and just wasn't sure how true it was. He's literally yelling at me and pointing at Bob Bulgaris and saying, you know, who's coaching this thing, you or him? Um, like, Luca's not was not afraid to embarrass Rick because I think Rick felt like – Luca felt like Rick was embarrassing lots of other people. And, and I, I just think that's a bad mix, man. And I don't know where that's going to work anywhere in the league. I guess you could probably say maybe Giannis would put up with that. But just look around and show me where the coach who wants to be a dick to everybody he interacts with, that's just not the way this works really anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was – I wanted to get into that too because um, – but you brought up a good point. You were talking about uh, Rick turning over the reins. Did he and Jay Kidd, am I remembering this wrong, in 2011, uh, 2010, did they butt heads early on? Like about oh, turning yeah. over? To, that's what I thought. Oh, big time, big time. Uh, the season before the title is when they acquired Kidd. Uh, I don't remember the day, but it was obviously pre-deadline, and that was a big story. I mean, you know, and it was Rondo. We were all able to – and Rondo, we all know Rondo is a difficult person, but we all so quickly, MFFL wrote that off. as like, oh, Rondo's just – he quit on the team, and he did. But Rick deserves some fault for the way the Rondo thing went too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's got a little bit of history of just being a difficult person, and I think Luca was just good enough on the basketball side that he relinquished a little or a lot of that part of it. But I don't think he was ever going to be – like, hey, I need to look in the mirror and decide that, that I want to be a little more pliable to the young player's personality. <laughs> I just don't think that was ever going to happen, no matter how many times he tried to make a TikTok video with his daughter to convince <laughs> us that actually he's a, he's a cool bro. Can I tell, can I tell my, uh, my Rick Carlisle story? Yeah, because I think I'm, it's – I'm not – it's, yeah. I, it's 100% true. Like, it's on the – okay – so my buddy's getting married in Houston, like, I don't know, like five or six years ago. This is when Javal McGee was on the team and uh, Chandler Parsons, obviously. And they're staying at the same hotel as us downtown. And we're, you know, I, that, that got me interested. So we're all hanging downstairs in our tuxes, getting ready to go to the, to the wedding. And the team is about to take the bus over to the uh, arena, to the, I guess, Toyota Center. And... Um, Rick comes down and he's got some of the assistants, some of the guys you recognize um, with him. And they're kind of waiting in the lobby, just kind of waiting for the guys to get down. And Chandler Parsons comes down and he's dressed like Chandler Parsons. He's, you know, he's certified cool, certified hot guy. And we're like, oh, shit, there's Chandler Parsons. And I hear Rick, Rick like, like looks over at Chandler and then looks at some of the, the assistants and goes, oh, he's dressed like a douchebag again or something like that. And like. Chandler Parsons, I swear, Chandler Parsons just like had this awkward laugh, and I was like, 
I remember being like, dude, this isn't, is this like a, like a, like ongoing bit where he's just like, Oh God, this guy dressing crazy again, dressing cool. It didn't seem like that. It just seemed like a weird shot and nobody really knew how to react to it. Uh, fun fact, Chandler did take a photo with me and my friends and, uh, at DC rough on Instagram, if you want to check that out. <laughs> um, but just the whole thing was weird. And I was like, and then you combine that with the way he kind of interacts with some of the members of the media, some of the guys on your station, Jake, uh, it's just like, man, what, what's his deal? Is he just like, does he think he's being funny? Does he not understand how this comes across? Does he not care? Cause I remember, uh, he had a run in with, uh, with Norm on your station, Jake, and didn't Mark have to like talk to him about it? Like this is early on. Dude, there's a couple different ones that happened. There's also a time where we play it all the time where he kind of laughed at uh, Chuck Cooperstein in a uh, pregame interview. Like the radio broadcast will always mm-hmm. sit down. It's super generic. It's the team broadcast. Like they're not throwing fastballs at you. And he was clowning on him. And I, I'm positive on that one that, that Mark actually asked him to apologize. I was reminded about something today. Uh, Justin Anderson actually had a charity event. Uh, yeah, after his that. first year in the league, and uh, and I wasn't there, but uh, a couple buddies that I know in, in the industry were, including David Mino, a guy who works uh, with me, and uh, like he just got up there and treated it like he was roasting, like and he was doing <laughs> the whole team, and he was doing like media members and staff members, and everyone was like, it just got really weird. Like he was calling out dudes who were. Uh, like on the that were like G League guys and being like you're never gonna make the team. What are you even here for? Like sort of thing and just just weird. I don't know if he thinks it's funny or not, but I know that enough people got tired of it. Uh, you know, st- low level staff members and stuff like people who work in you know production for them and stuff are just like, what are you? What is the end game here? Right. And yeah, if you're gonna do that, and I mean, it sounds like a small thing that he was just you know he wanted to just shit on Salah Mejri the Mej. But if you know that's Luca's boy and that's the only guy that he knows coming over to America because they played together at Real, then why? Why? Like, just a, a lot of times with Rick, you're just like, what is, what's the point of this? Like, everyone thinks you're a great coach already. You know, like, I, I feel like even Pop, right? Even Pop will give you enough realness and enough, like, warmth to balance out how much of a, a jerk he can be on the other end of it. And I think. You know, I think all of, uh, of Pop's players, almost like Parcells, like later say, okay, you know, maybe Parcells is a bad example. But I think people who played for Pop really yeah. like Pop. Well, I, uh, I would say the only time. I don't think you hear that that much about Rick. The only time I would say that Rick showed the other side of that, aside from like how everybody would constantly say, it's great coach, he will level up your team, is what we saw of Rick in the bubble last year. And, and throughout the events of, you know, uh, the summer of last year and how Rick kind of took the lead from a coaching standpoint because he's the he was the head of the Coaches Association whatnot, of like ending every single press conference, which of which there were many in the bubble because they were just there all day and they would meet via Zoom um, and end it with like, okay, I'm going to bring attention to another – African-American cause, whether it's a person, an event, a issue, a topic, a business, whatever. And he did that every single day for like 60 straight days. And I thought that was genuine. At no point in time did it seem like Rick was just showing up with a little, you know, piece of paper, reading it and moving on. Like he really wanted to make sure that was a focal point. So that was like the closest to pop as far as like, oh, he's bigger than this other thing that would offset his personality that I'd ever seen. But you know, I, I think my last question on him is, 
do we think he's going to end up somewhere else? I understand that in order for that to happen, there has to be some sort of uh, return because technically he's under his deal for two more years. And if so, do you think it's going to be somewhere of substance? Because real quick, running through the list of open jobs, which I think plays a little bit in terms of the timing of this, um, you've got Portland open, where Rick's been an assistant in the past, and obviously you've got Dame Lillard. Uh, you've got New Orleans. Are you really going to stack them with Zion? And you've got Boston, who's you know loaded in a step away, which who knows if that's going to happen. And he's from Massachusetts, obviously has Celtics roots. Washington, I don't see him and Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook playing nice together. He's not going to go to Orlando, and then you could convince yourself maybe he'll go back to Indiana for the third time. But at the same time, like who are these teams going to get that are better than Rick Carlisle? There's no other name being thrown around as a head coach that has a title under his belt other than Rick Carlisle. Yeah, and just real quick, I don't think that stuff in the bubble was BS. I think it's possible to be genuine about stuff like that that you care about and also kind of be a dick in professional yeah, settings. For sure. Like, I think, you know, it doesn't. he's probably like an awesome dad and like sweet to his to his daughter or daughters. I don't know. But that doesn't mean that you you can do that and be a, a, a difficult person professionally. And as far as like the list of teams, um, Boston obviously seems like the most likely just because it's not only available – um, but they're pretty good. Uh, and, you know, I, I would think Brad Stevens, you know, moving up, you have to figure Brad Stevens and Rick have a pretty good relationship. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee gets talked about a lot, even though it's yeah, not open. That's true. But that one would be a real effort move from Rick because if you end up taking the job from a, from a team that's in the playoffs right now, if they fire their coach – and there's already been rumors that you were interested in that job. That's a really bad, bad, bad look for the uh, head of the coaches association. That's a Minnesota or- Timberwolves move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, New Orleans. Uh, I, I guess I could see. I mean, it's a it's it's really it's really hard to say outside of Orlando. But I will say to your point, most of these teams are not going to find a better option than Rick. Even if the Mavericks have decided to move on from him because the relationship with Luca got. Uh, stale at best, bad at worst. Uh, he's still a really good coach, and he's going to keep you in the mix. The Mavericks. The difference is the Mavericks don't just want to be in the mix. Would Portland even make sense? I mean, they just got rid of Terry Stotts. Terry Stotts, uh, longtime assistant of Rick Carlisle. I don't know if that's too much of the same thing. Um, obviously, Rick has more skins on the wall, but I didn't even think about that. It doesn't. It wasn't the rumor that Dame wanted. Uh, he wants Jay Kidd. It didn't wasn't that like the quote early on? Yeah, that's yeah. Which we can talk about kid in a second, but uh, yeah, it, it would that, it would feel to an extent like a lateral move. But I mean, Portland's just interesting because I kind of feel like they're they're just at the end of this era. You know, like at least with the Celtics, you could convince yourself that 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 Brown and Tatum are young enough, and then all the other role players that they have that like they're they still could be seen as having an upward trajectory. Portland, man, I like a lot of their players, but it just feels like at this point, you know, if they wanted to trade Dame for like, I don't know, like a 7-3 busted guy who can't play defense, like a great backup point guard uh, and a 3 and D player, and I don't know. I, it just seems to me like they have to move one of those two guys. What about the entire city of Oklahoma City? Say again? The entire town of Oklahoma City. 
for Dan Willard and half their draft picks. Yeah, and, half, and, all, and all the draft picks. Like, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be – I think Rick will be coaching night one next season. I would I will bet money on that. Yeah. Somebody said it might have been Tim Cato, it might have been McMahon. Somebody said that Rick's a smart guy and he would not have done this unless he had a pretty good sense of where he's going to end up. And it, give, like I don't, you know, if he waited around for a year because I mean, obviously we're going to have a new head of basketball operations in Dallas. He waits around a year and let's say they fail in the playoffs again. He knows he's gone, right? And I think now is like the best the market's going to be for a coach, right? Like you never know what's going to happen, but. Like this is a pretty pretty absurd like amount of good good jobs open. Yeah, yeah, and I think the other thing too is it, when it, when you say like, oh, Rick's a smart guy. He's a super smart guy. I think he not only read the market. I think he not only read the internal situation with the Mavericks, both with Donnie being gone and with expectations next year. But I think he also had concluded that his relationship with Luca was not going to get better. And short of like winning the conference title next year. That, that was not going to last. And he's just like, look, before – because, you know, if he would have been here another year and Donnie's not here, you would have been getting stories about them fighting about mm-hmm. Luca. Like, that was not going to go away. It was going to be a constant, you know, every – it was just going to get worse. So when it gets worse, maybe you start to be looked at as damaged goods. Uh, so I think he saw the writing on the wall and was just like, you know what, let's just uh, get out while the getting is as good as it, it's going to get. And, and that's – I don't. I can't fault him for that. I mean, he he did he did a very smart thing. I think there's an argument to be made that had last season not happened so strangely and off cycle, this potentially could have happened last year. Uh, if you're Rick Carlisle, not so much of him being forced out and everything being blown up, but if you're Rick Carlisle and you're like, okay, if my relationship isn't strong, if I don't think at the end of last year we felt like KP and Luca could work, but like if he saw the writing on the wall internally, he probably could have made that jump given a full off season then. But looking back over this year compared to last year, and you mentioned a lot of these first round matchups they've had, they've they've never really been favored. Like as a Mavs fan, not just you know as someone who evaluates the team on a regular basis, do you feel like the season was a disappointment? Uh, I know how the series looked, but like going into it, I'm looking at the rankings. ESPN had them at six preseason, third in the West. SI.com had them at ninth overall, fourth in the West. NBC Sports had them eighth overall, uh, fourth in the West. And they finished fifth, got bounced by a team that every single one of those had ranked above them. So do you feel like the outcome of the season overall is still a failure given what we saw unfold? Uh, yeah, I would probably say so, but it has less to do with their ranking, you know, where they finished in Mm -hmm. seeding and the record, because that got so screwed up by them being more affected by COVID than any other team. And I, and I think without that, they probably finished four or five wins better, which would have put them, I think maybe one behind LA or close to it. But the point is, it's not so much the record that makes it a failure. It's, uh, it really comes down to the number of games KP was not able to play and the fact that now granted the Clippers are a terrible matchup for Porzingis because they don't play a center. Right. Uh, and you would like to think that if a team's not going to play a center that he could shoot over whatever small they want to put on him. But that wasn't, that's not really an option. I would say right now you have to consider it a failure just because you're the guy who's supposed to be your second best player too often wasn't and then in the playoffs was essentially you know a complete non-factor I mean I don't that's just and that's that's going to be really tough to address in one off season you know so 
outside of the continued development of Luca, and I do think he took another step this year. I mean, you you kind of have to call it a failure because you still don't go into you don't go into next year feeling better about KP than you did this one. I mean, you feel worse. You feel even worse than you did coming into this year when he was hurt to start the season. Is there a is there a phenomenon that we can like coin um, where uh, an athlete's talent exceeds their immaturity? Whereas like because like obviously nobody thought Luca would be this good like this early, um, and it's just it's like actually kind of working against him, right? Because he's a twenty two year old, and twenty two year olds, uh, I don't even think the frontal lobes completely developed, and you know he's. A lot of impulsive behavior. I think he punched a guy in the wiener this year. Um, hadn't seen that in a while. Um, it's like the opposite of whatever Zion is, because I feel like Zion's like worlds ahead of where his maturity should be. And every time you think a, per, a, a person with those expectations should disappoint you, he has not even dipped his toe in those waters, except for when he busted yeah. out his shoe that game. Yeah, at some point it was Rick kind of like, whoa, this is uh, <laughs> moving a little quicker than I imagined. I thought I was going to have a few more years to kind of just, you know, find the pieces, put them the right ones. I didn't realize it was going to be this quick and uh, we were going to have to make this thing work immediately. Yeah, and I think that applies to the front office too because I think they went into, you know, both this year and last year thinking like, all right, you know, maybe we'll take a little step, you know, maybe we'll be the eight seed if we get in. And then, you know, I just think he he warp speeded their timeline. And, yeah, that is – I mean, people want him to be, like, a leader and his qualitative, his qualitative soft skills to be as advanced as his possibly quantitative hard skills are. And that's, that's super rare. Yeah. And that doesn't – you usually get a little bit of time, you know. And, I mean, it doesn't – it just – and then you add in the fact that, you know, it's obviously more common now than it used to be, but then you're in a different country – so is it harder for you to develop some of those do you some of those sort of skills? The timing of him leaving, if if this would have continued on, would we have found out like there was a meeting scheduled or a request or something had to do with like, okay, Luca's had it, he's out of here, he got on the plane left. We all knew he had to be wherever at a certain time period, but it just seemed too convenient that this happened in consecutive days as he's like touching down in Slovenia. Like I assume he was also meeting during these in-person meetings or was consulted in the days leading up to. I'm just curious if we think like he was like at some point, you know what, F it, I'm out of here. Uh, I, I see. I don't even know that I think he was consulted all that much. Uh, I'd be sh- I mean, I, I'm I, guess, sh- I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't, I mean, he, it's just weird with him. Like, I don't, I don't, I never really felt like Dirk was, I, you probably asked Dirk and Dirk kind of just shrugs his, uh, shrugs his uh, shoulders. But now I'm not saying that like Mark doesn't know that Luca has problems with Rick because gotcha. apparently he would yell at him at like, they would yell at each other in practice routinely. Like it wasn't just in games whenever like the heat was all the way turned up. Like they were, they were at each other's throats a lot. Um, so whether he was consulted or, or not, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely don't think he was consulted about Donnie Nelson because <laughs> I think he would have made that yeah. uh, made that pretty clear. Um, but you know, just in general, I, I think I think this was going to happen this off season either way. I think things just got tremendously, tremendously out of control for Cuban as far as you know the the narrative goes. 
when that story came out. <laughs> when that, and r- again, that rider truck pulled up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, I had been hearing, I've been hearing about this for like a month and I'm yeah. like, you know, it is a little bit weird that nobody ever talks about Bob. You know, he's not, he's not a nobody. You know, there's like ESPN features written on the guy. I'm like, why does anybody bring this guy up? And I brought it up to somebody and they were like, yeah, it's really, really bad. And then you bring it up to someone else and they say it's really, really bad. And then ultimately, you know, one of those people writes this article and it's like, yeah, man. Cause I just don't think Cuban, I don't think Cuban saw himself losing control of the plot like this. Yeah. Like, I think he would have sequenced all of this way, way differently, way differently. I just love to like contrast it in my head with like, I haven't seen a picture of Bob before at all. I haven't looked him up throughout of all of this. And maybe it was on the headline. I didn't look at it, but I like to contrast it with my image of like Harper getting completely ignored in his analytics department for a world series winning baseball team versus this guy. So I'm just like, Oh, this is Harper with power. Um, yeah, well, Harper was uh, broke. <laughs> and that, that, that's what's interesting about Bob is that, you know, usually guys who, who get to the level of having influence in analytics in the NBA, usually they came up in the NBA. Yeah. Like you get hired out of college or out of grad school and you become like a, you know, quant for an NBA team, but you learn the NBA, the NBA on your way up. And you learn how coaches work and you learn how scouts work and agents work. And then maybe by the time you're like 35 or 36, you have some say in things. If you just bring in a dude who's been jet setting all over the entire world to play poker and bet a million dollars a day on basketball, like that is not the same as hiring, you know, like a dude who worked up through the NBA. That guy's going to pull his dick out occasionally and be like, why would you not listen to me? Like, look at all the success I've had. So if you think about it, it was kind of an odd dynamic from the start to bring in a guy who had that sort of, you know, and sometimes yep. it works. I know the Warriors hired a bunch of like tech people who had a ton of success outside of basketball, but Browns have done a the main thing is the, the personalities just have to work. Um, before I, I guess I want to end on candidates for the maps. Anything else you want to hit before we get to that, David? Yeah, real quick. Um, Aside from the, like the personality conflict between Luca and Rick, this is something a really, really half baked theory. But the idea that Rick is very—they say he draws out the game plan, right? Rich sticks to the regiment, like doesn't change, doesn't deviate from the plan. Um, you know, minutes and who's getting subbed and when doesn't deviate from that. Obviously, they had some conflict over that at times, especially in the Clippers series. Uh, does a does a guy like Luca uh, does he not fit with that because he plays with so much uh, quote emotion and he is more um, just kind of you know Luca's got some wild ass to his game is that is that part of it too like is he better served not playing uh, under like such structure Yeah, I totally buy that. I mean, if you look at it, their offense isn't really all that structured at all. So then even from there, it's like the thing that Rick was still trying to keep control of for all the things that you mentioned, Um, where whether it's rotations, lineups, you know, how to stagger that sort of stuff. I mean, I think it was, excuse me, when we had Willie Cauley Stein on and I asked him to compare like Kerr and Carlisle because he spent a year with the Warriors. And that's exactly what he said. He was like, I think Rick has the entire game mapped out before the ball even tips. And there's value in that, you know, it's worked pretty well for him, but then you know, again, when you introduce Luca, like it's almost like even 
it's tough to tease out. Like, do they not like each other because of that? <laughs> or uh, is Rick that way because they don't like each other? You know, I don't know, but I know that Rick is a very rigid, rigid personality, uh, both on and off the floor. And Luca's, you know, as far from that as possible. So I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's far fetched at all. But Ed, yeah. I also will say this the dude does need to be coached. Like, and I, I'm not saying he's like totally against that, but they, you can't, no matter how good the dude is, like, I mean, the classic is just to mention like Phil, right? Phil or Pat Riley, like riding their stars asses to get them where they needed to go. It may be a different league now, but they still can't just like let him do whatever he wants all the time and not come out of the game when he doesn't want to come out of the game. But there has to be some meeting in the middle. And I think Luke was willing to do that. I'm, not as sure that Rick was willing to do that. I tell you, reminds me a lot about uh, Coughlin and Jalen Ramsey. I know we were all thinking it in that relationship. Oh, just the exact geez. same thing. I forgot they hired Tom Coughlin. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And the, and the other thing I wanted to ask before we get into potential yeah. candidates, uh, do you think there's any chance that Mavrello is cube? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, if you go back and look at Mavrello's history of, like, when he supposedly, like, came over, uh, where he came from, and the fact that, you know, then he's, like, he's just, quote, underground. Yeah, well, uh, there have been some times in history when people who committed atrocities uh, fled their continent and went, quote, underground for several years, uh, only to then resurface publicly later with, a, you know, a different image. So, you know, my conspiracy theory is that Rick and Donnie both knew, like, dude, this guy might end up in the Hague, like, before the end of the year, and we don't want to be associated uh, with the war criminal. And if we can get out of here before this stuff hits the fan, you know, I, I, I could see I, – I would just say this. Interpol knows who Mavrello is. Gosh, I feel so bad for the people who understood everything we've said until we said the word Mavrello. But I'd get it, because if they saw the city of Dallas's mayor announce, like, the raffle the other day, it was Mavs Man and uh, Sparky, or whatever the horse's name is. And Mavrello is no boy to be found. So I get him not being front of mind. Is it Champ. Sparky? Champ. Yeah, it's Champ. You're right. not Sparky. Champ. Um, so, yeah, real Sparky. quick, the top five candidates that I've seen pretty much on every, uh, every website. There were a couple dumb ones listed, like. I think, uh, what was the, what's Kentucky's basketball's coach's name? His name John was Calipari. Calipari was listed somewhere. But most repeated I've seen is Jamal Mosley, current and longtime assistant for the Mavs. Uh, Jason Kidd, longtime DUI haver. Uh, Becky Hammond, okay. Spurs assistant, <laughs> definitely ready for the next step. I only put that because I feel like nobody can say Becky Hammond's name without like jumping the gun to immediately tell you, but she's qualified. She's ready. Like, okay, we get it. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else is yeah. asking those questions for anybody else. Uh, Terry Stotts, who I did have another note. I did ask Jake on June 5th, how I think, how does he think Luca will like Terry Stotts as his coach? This was before. Yeah, but none of your questions over. are in earnest. <laughs> well, oh, none of my questions have a, a replied anything because all of your tweets are deleted. Uh, and yeah. then, uh, yes. Pablo Lasso, a name I didn't know until this morning. That's the Real Madrid head coach, uh, not brother of Ted Lasso, I found upon further research. And then J.J. Barea, uh, potentially joining the staff, but maybe not as a head coach, correct? Guys, you're not going to get this in insight anywhere else. Did you know that J.J. Barea responded to a Brad Townsend tweet saying that whatever, whoever is the next coach would be doing themselves a disservice if they did not have J.J. Barea on the staff? And J.J. replied... With the prayer hands. 
Oh, look at that. As That's breaking as... news. That's an insider right there. This is TMD <laughs> Plus. Put it behind a paywall. Uh, uh, okay. Thoughts or front runners that, uh, preferences? David, you want to start first because I think Jake, you may have some more uh, in-depth thoughts here. I am an idiot and I am a simple man. I give me Mosley because Luca likes him. In fact, it seems like everybody likes him. So give me uh, Jamal Mosley. I wouldn't be angry at the Becky Hammond play. I'll say that up front because, uh, you know, girls are funny and can coach basketball. Uh, Get over but it. really my only preference here is anybody that's not Jason Kidd. Can't, can't do it, don't want it, can't have it. Um, but, yeah, that, that's kind of my gut reaction upon looking at all the potential candidates. Well, before even running them down, just look at how absolutely convoluted this is. So they hired a search firm. <laughs> Okay, an independent search firm, quote unquote, publicly announced that. Then they convened a, uh, you know, a roundtable of the nights with Finley, who's already on staff and ostensibly could be replaced by the new director because the search firm is here to help them find the next director of basketball ops slash GM. Okay, so Finley is already an assistant in that role. So Finley and Dirk were brought in to consult about who they should hire for their next director of basketball operations while they already have a search firm and Finley already works there. I don't know if I'm Finn. The first question I would ask is, am I fired? (laughs) Because if not, I'm slotting you a little bit lower. And then Dirk, it's so, dude, what an absolute bullshit Hail Mary because we all love Dirk, but Dirk doesn't know anything about how front office, like he was the most detached from, we just spent like forever talking about like Dirk wasn't running to them with suggestions and like definitely do this, definitely don't do that. Like he wasn't running like uh, James Harden style games where he's like, trade this guy, trade this guy, bring this guy. That is an absolute Hail Mary from Dirk or from Cuban. But I have heard that I think Luca and Dirk were a lot tighter than we like gave them credit for. Like that even post Dirk retirement when he's been in town, like that they actually do spend quite a bit of time together. So the Dirk thing is nothing more than like Luca deodorant. You know, they're just trying to right. say to Luca, like, look, there's a guy here that you trust, you know, he has your best interest uh, in mind. So he's going to help out with this thing. Um, so the weird thing is that they have to get the GM first the way they're trying to find the GM makes absolutely no sense. We all think Jamal Mosley is a, you know, that would be a pretty good option. Uh, not only because of Luca, but just go watch the video of the game that he won mm-hmm. on the bench. And it's like the happiest you see, you saw the Mavs all year. So we all like, we all, we're just like piecing this together. Like I would prefer they keep Jamal Mosley. Cause he's a guy from in house, but I hope they go get Masai Ujiri and let him make all, all right. of his own decisions. What does Masai, Masai Ujiri owe to Jamal Mosley or even really know about him? I mean, he would interview him. I mean, it's but I, like if you go get a, another GM, Jamal Mosley just becomes another guy. Yeah. Like he's just another assistant coach. So the whole thing is just so bass backwards. And it really all comes down to whether or not Cuban is willing to chill out a little bit, which yeah. that remains to be seen. 
Jake, I, I, I got to kind of push back on something you said. You said Dirk didn't wasn't like pulling the strings hard and style. Are you sure that Dirk wasn't the reason Evan Eschmeyer landed here? <laughs> Evan Eschmeyer and and yeah, we all know what a huge fan of Chandler Parsons Dirk was. Uh, yeah, and and yeah, Evan Eschmeyer, so man, had, that's a good one. He has about as much influence as when Shaq sits down at board meetings for the General Insurance Company. <laughs> Dude, He's making decisions. those are the best. Hey, will you guys one day will you will you like rank by uh, prestige to embarrassing Shaq's ad campaigns? Uh, it, it'd take a couple episodes to get through them all, but sure. <laughs> Because we're up to double digits, right? Like, he's got more commercials than, like, Ricky Fowler's ever had. The discrepancy between Q rating and, uh, like, just brand value of, like, a celebrity up here down to Icy Hot and the general auto insurance at the bottom, like, that is, that's shocking. Man's got Doesn't he have He's got some uh, some interest in one of the alarm companies, right? Like Ring or Nest or something. Mm-hmm. I think he does. I think he does. Yeah. It's like if, if like <laughs> it'd be like if LeBron did a commercial for like Linksys routers or something. You're like, <laughs> I've kind of heard of that, but like, aren't you? A, are you a little famous for this product? Al Longcar's <laughs> been leaving him messages for years, and he just won't return his calls. Well. <laughs> I think we're about at time. Jake, I can't thank you enough. I think I speak for both of us on that for joining uh, the podcast. And, and David, thanks for uh, putting this together. Any last who who you guys got in the U.S. Open, though? Uh, uh, I'm a Cantlay guy. How did he play today? Okay. Hard to say. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we'll do, the, the real test will be tomorrow when, as you know, Jake, it's moving day. It's moving day. Yeah, you got to get to the weekend, and then you got to move on moving day. That's, That's when you move. Days. You don't move on the other days. That's the thing about it. <laughs> well, you know. Your goal is to just stay put. You can't win on a Thursday, but you sure as hell can lose. You know that, right? Dude. That's true. I've been That's saying true. that for years. That's totally true. Who are you riding right, with, Brooks or Bryson? Sorry, last thing. Oh, I'm Brooks all the way, dude. What a it's it's Deuce versus Tool. Uh, I'm a Tool. <laughs> Give me, give me the fucking uh, taco in this fight, not the cheap grilled cheese sandwich. I don't know which is which, but that's what I'm taking. Watch hot rod bullets okay. for me. Bryson's a pony. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> that about does it. I want my chips with the dip. That's all I know. I don't want my chips playing. I want my chips with the dip. So bring them dips.